Yippee-ki-yay! This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Welcome to the Geek Confidential Podcast. Today we're counting down the top five Bruce Willis movies, and joining me is the entire Geek Confidential crew. Melody Akles, welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. Mo Walker, welcome, Mo. I'm here, but that yippee guy, yay! Lord Jesus! Well, I figured that was the better way than to do the really intense, dark-sounding one like normal. Uh... Dan Pierce, welcome, Dan. Really channeling your Jake Peralta today, aren't you? <laughs> there we go. So um, we decided to do a short notice top five Bruce Willis movies in honor of Bruce Willis, whose family announced um, this past week that he's retiring from acting due to aphasia, which impacts his cognitive abilities. And um, if you go and Google online or if you follow the story, you'll see the reports like there's one in the L.A. Times about how in recent years, filmmakers who've worked with him have been concerned because... Um, he was having difficulty with dialogue and action scenes and all this other stuff, and people were beginning to worry. So I guess it's gotten to the point where because of that cognitive um, disease or disorder that he's stepping back and retiring. And Bruce Willis is one of my all-time favorite actors. I love him. When I think of like late 80s, early 90s action stars, he's up there in the pantheon of the great, just pure action stars and so i'm like let's do a top five i've then learned that one of my co-hosts no names mentioned may not have even actually watched more than five up until recently which at least they came up with five so starting with dan dan who do you have at number five so my number five comes to me from like a long long time ago when i was a little kid and i was taken to the theaters and we saw the film The Kid. It is a Disney film about Bruce Willis, who is sort of like this PR consultant type guy. And he runs into a younger version of himself as a little kid who is all offended because like the older version. Oh, I grew up to be so lame. And it's sort of about like wrestling with like growing up and trying to stay true to like kid values and stuff like that. It's very cheesy. It's very corny, but it was uh, something that I saw in the theaters. And yeah, that is my number five. Okay. Mel, who do you have at number five? Number five, I have a movie called Unbreakable by M. Night Shyamalan. I have another name for him these days, but we'll get there later. Um, In this film, it is um, Bruce Willis. He stars as a character named David Dunn. And in the beginning of the film, there is this bad train accident. Everybody dies except Bruce Willis's character, who doesn't have a scratch or a bruise or anything. And everyone's trying to figure out what's going on. How is this happening to him? He should have been dead. 
enter Samuel L. Jackson as this really eccentric character, and he has this disease where his bones break all the time. He was born with broken bones, just all kinds of craziness. And it really delves into this world of itself of can you have people who are essentially unbreakable, like David Dunn's character. And you can have people who are the exact opposite, like Samuel Jackson's character, who, come to find out in the end, had been creating all of these accidents and all of these crazy to find someone who was the opposite of them himself. And there's kind of like a universe for those films now, which is also really strange and odd. But I did like Bruce Willis's portrayal in that film, and Samuel Jackson kind of really puts it over the top. So, unbreakable. Mo, I am always curious uh, when we do top fives because you and I are about the same age and we have a lot of similar tastes. So I'm wondering how many times we're going to duplicate or how um, similar our lists will be, but maybe just ranked differently, but the same movies. So who do you have at number five? This may be a head scratcher, but I got to go with Hudson Hawk. I've never even heard of that one. Really? Okay, so Hudson Hawk was Bruce Willis' movie from 1991. He did it. Um, it was around the same time as the first Die Hard, right after Moonlighting. Um, he portrays a cat burglar um, named Eddie Eddie Haw- Hawkins, also goes by the name of Hudson Hawk. The film was, I mean, it was con- commercially considered a dud and critically considered a dud. But I think what it, it has is it was a very tongue-in-cheek kind of film. Uh, it utilizes a lot of cartoon slapstick comedy. I think what it was, when I saw Hudson Hawk, I was really young, and I was coming off of, I primarily associated uh, Bruce Willis with his character from Moonlighting. Okay. And, and so this, to me was a sort of inverse of moonlighting where is you know he instead of being a good guy you know he, in moonlighting he was a detective in that television show in this he was a cat burglar but you know it's one of those cat burglars who's not really malicious he steals for himself you know it's it's all fun and games so for me i mean in terms of the movie cat i mean uh andy mcdowell richard e grant i mean it, it's loaded with a lot of great great actors and actresses it was just i mean it was just considered a a dud and but for me i think there's a fondness for me um and that's why i chose hudson hawk as my number five okay coming in at number five for me is a scary movie but not in the like scream type way um i don't normally do scary movies And so for me, The Sixth Sense was a scary movie because of how it played out. But it was more like, I'm going to go to this. I don't know what I'm getting into, but I've heard it's really good. And Bruce Willis is in it. And I will watch pretty much anything, no matter how bad it is, because Bruce Willis has had some bad movies. I'm not going to deny that. He has a lot of my favorites, but he's had some bad ones. So I have to acknowledge it. Um but I'm going to go to this and just see what happens. Him and Haley Joel Osment in that film, like I still remember being in the theater and having the I see dead people and you get to the end 
and you discover that his Bruce Willis's character is actually a ghost. And you've watched the entire movie thinking that he's been alive. It was fantastic. Um, I loved it. I don't, it's because I'm not great with those type of movies. I haven't watched it since, but when I think of Bruce Willis, it is in my mind, a crystal clear Bruce Willis movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. Mel, who do you have at number four? At number four, I have a film from the mid nineties called 12 Monkeys. Um, I really like this movie because I am fond of time travel, and that's what's going on in this film. Uh, In the movie, Bruce Willis plays a prisoner by the name of James Cole. Um, He's way far in the future, you know, 20, 2200, somewhere along the way. And basically, he has this life sentence, and he's trying to get his life sentence bumped down. And they've come up with this deal of time travel and these scientists he's working with. And basically, if you volunteer to go back into the past to fix what was broken, you can, you know, um, get your sentence reduced. So basically what happened in the movie is that there was a virus. It took out the world. There was a, you know, post-apocalyptic future, all kinds of things. So they send Bruce Willis back to the past, and he actually ends up in the wrong year. He's supposed to be in 96. He ends up in 1990. They put him in a mental hospital. He meets up with uh, Brad Pitt. He kind of tells them exactly what's going on in the future. You know, there was this virus. Y'all need to get on it, so on and so forth. They realize, the scientists in the future realize, hey, we messed up. They're going to they send him back to the future. Then they send him back again. He kind of goes back and forth a couple of times. Um, he ends up, basically, in the right year. There's, of course, a lady involved. She's a doctor, and she's trying to help him, in quotations. But long story short, in the film... Um, he figures out that there was this uh, army of the 12 monkeys and they were originally, they thought they were responsible for the virus. It turns out they weren't responsible. They were the ones who were actually trying to stop it. The doctor figures everything out. Um, Quotations, she figures everything's out. Um, Bruce Willis, he ends up dying in the past, but his younger self sees him die in the past. So it's kind of a thing of his was actually in the past. The virus ends up getting out anyways because the doctor lady he was working with was in on it the whole time. It was all kinds of crazy, but it is definitely a film that makes you think, and I thought he did a great job. Dan, who do you have at number four? I can't can't believe he was carrying around that nasty butt watch. I have Uh... Pulp Fiction. (laughs) Okay. So, I I really enjoy Pulp Fiction, but... (sighs) It, 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 just like the uh, it, uh, I Christopher Walken made me so uncomfortable with that handing the watch to the uh, the younger version of Bruce Willis, and then Bruce Willis grows up, and he's like willing to do whatever it takes to like protect that family legacy and stuff like that, and that's very admirable. And I'm just like, uh, I'm I'm uncomfortable. Uh, but needless to say, uh, he is so so good in. The, the kidnapping scene and the shootout and the subsequent like the the stuff with Marcellus uh, I I really enjoyed his portrayal in the film and I love reading about uh like why he was cast and stuff like that cuz as it turns out they looked at him like uh he's on his last leg we we got to give him something uh maybe this will like light a fire under his career and stuff like that meanwhile he's bruce willis like we n- knew him from before with die hard and 
with all of these uh, late 80s, early 90s action movies. And you're right. He had a fantastic career afterward. I don't necessarily think to characterize him as like down on his luck kind of guy that um, uh, Tarantino tended to. But I thought he did a fantastic job in this film as a part of his greater legacy. Mo, who do you have at number four? So for, for me, I, I've got to go with uh, Bruce Willis and Sin City, the um, film that was um, based on the comic book series. It was uh, directed by uh, Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller, who wrote and drew the comic series. So uh, if you're familiar with Sin City, Sin City was a huge ensemble. I mean, and... Bruce Willis played uh, John Hardigan, who was an aging cop, who was, I wouldn't say obsessed, but his mission in life was to save, uh, to save this little girl, who, a, a woman, uh, who's the, the adult version, was played by Jessica Alba, Nancy, and he ends up uh, encountering um, this, the son of this powerful center, uh, senator named uh, Rourke, and Hardigan, you know, he's he's an agent cop. He has a heart attack. He and he ultimately dies in the service of trying to uh, save uh, Nancy. And it, it's, I think, for Bruce Willis, just post Die Hard. I think that this was an interesting role. He he does subsequently return um, in the twenty fourteen. Sin City uh, film, A Dame to Kill For, which was ridiculed by critics and 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 um, fans of the the comic series. He he reappeared as a ghost, but I think that as just part of this larger ensemble, I think that uh, Bruce Willis does a really good job of fitting in with the narrative. And if you've read the Sin City material, you can really see. That uh, Bruce Willis, I think, even physically resembles the character uh, Hardigan. Coming in at number four for me is Live Free or Die Hard, the Die Hard movie. Um, what I loved about this one is because of the addition of Justin Long with Bruce Willis, it sort of became a little bit of a buddy cop film. And Bruce Willis being... Bruce Willis as John McClane as this like dour person and then having Long's Matt along for the ride. I loved it. I, I thought the action scenes were great. I thought that their dynamic was great. Um, it is my second favorite of the Die Hard movies. Uh, and so there obviously there's going to be another one on this list, but I just thoroughly enjoyed this film. It's, the one that came later where his supposed biological son and they spend time in Russia was not a fan of that diehard, but I'll watch it if necessary. Uh, coming in at number three, Mo, who do you have? Um, I have uh, Bruce Willis and a 2012 movie called Looper, and it stars uh, Bruce Willis <laughs> as the title character along with... Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who play, plays the younger version of Bruce Willis. And in, and in Looper, uh, 
Bruce Willis's character is named Joe. He's in the he's in the he's an assassin for a crime syndicate, and basically um, these loopers they go back in time to assassinate individuals. But the twist in this is is that the John Gordon Levitt's version of him is sent to kill him, and so there's this huge like cat and mouse game in which. Um, leading to uh his his version ultimately um dying and i i it, it's really funny because in, in some ways it kind of it's like he did 12 monkeys in 12 monkeys there was the whole time paradox thing and then so looper is this other opportunity for him to do something similar um yeah, it it was uh, directed and written and directed by um, Rain Johnson, who uh, who did one of the recent Star Wars films, um, and it was like the first time I'd encountered this director. So it, it, I I really liked the visual style. It it, it was a really fu- it was a really good role for for Bruce for an aging Bruce Willis, and so um, and I actually recently rewatched it. So. Yeah, uh, for me, my number three is Looper. Mel, who do you have at number three? Number three is a film we already talked about. Um, Luki was on your list. I have The Sixth Sense, directed by M. Night Shitty Movies. I mean, M. Night Shyamalan. Um, This is actually one of his better films. It was definitely a film that changed the game, I would say, the horror game, because it kind of had been slacking, over the years in the 90s, it had a good pickup with um, Scream and the slasher films, but this one was definitely more of a psychological horror, but, you know, it had the twist at the end of, oh, Bruce Willis has been dead the whole time, and the dead people, the kid has been seeing as Bruce Willis. Um, that was a really great twist, but it did kind of make all of the films after that. Everybody expected everything to have a twist, so that was kind of the downside of it, but I did feel this is definitely one of Bruce Willis's better performances. He was um, a child psychologist. He really sold the whole deal of you know trying to solve the case, and he was going to help this kid, and when he realizes that he's the one who's dead, his face is one that you will never forget. Oh, it is like, it is a moment yeah. that if, you, if you've <laughs> never seen it, it's worth it. Bruce Willis's face is great, so kudos to him. Dan, who do you have at number three? Welcome to the party, pal. I got Die Hard. Uh, so <laughs> a little bit of backstory that I just shared with my Geek Confidential confidants. Uh, yeah, my father-in-law told me that this was unacceptable and sat me down and made me watch Die Hard this Christmas. And For it was the great. first time? For the first time. It was great. Um, I had seen some scenes from one of them where Timothy Oliphant, I think, played a villain. Um, but I, I hadn't seen like the whole movie. Uh, so it was cool to see like the whole movie from start to finish and, you know, it still holds up. It's, uh, you know, there are some eighties elements and stuff like that, but a lot of great action, a lot of, um, a lot of simple, um, sort of plant like the whole thing is a little bit more simple than i think we typically do nowadays where it's like oh i'm taking over the world no just kidding i'm like it's just this building i have like this plot this greater plot that's off in the distance but mainly i'm holding these people hostage it was cool to see the dad uh from family matters uh and yeah i really enjoyed this it was a great movie Coming in at number three for me is a film that was 
I was looking forward to it the moment that I heard that Bruce Willis was pairing, uh, teaming up with Mary Louise Parker for red. Um, because I had got like, I love his movies and I just got done watching pretty much weeds and the two of them as a pair on a, on the road, on the run, him protecting her and all the shenanigans that happen. Plus you have Helen Mirren and Morgan Freeman in there. It is just a fun film from beginning to end, not a comedy, but it's a fun action film from beginning to end. If you haven't watched it, you definitely should read Mel, who do you have at number two? My number two film is one that is not necessarily great, but I love it anyways. Uh, I have Armageddon. This was the film towards the end of the 90s. It is your disaster flick. There is a giant asteroid being hurled at Earth, and the scientists can't figure out, and there's been all of these, you know, uh, meteors and asteroids falling to the Earth. All kinds of people are dying, so on and so forth. Enter Bruce Willis's character of Harry Stamper. Apparently, NASA and the government have come up with an idea of they're going to ship them all. Harry Stamper and his crew, they are oilers, and they are specialized in digging holes, basically. And the idea is to ship them off to space and dig this hole in the asteroid, and they can put a nuke in it and blow it up. And if we get it past a certain point, we can blow it up, and the asteroid will miss the Earth miraculously. So they go to Bruce Willis and he his team of these Oilers who is really this motley crew of characters and all kinds of things and lots of big names in it. You know, uh, Steve Buscemi, uh, uh, Liv Tyler was in it, Ben Affleck's in it, you know, your, your star-studded cast. And it's really the cast that makes the film for me. You know, the way they all get yep. along, they got each other's backs. Um, they're, they're all funny. It's kind of what you would expect of guys who are been off working, you know, on these oil sites and things like that. And Bruce Willis really is the dad of the group, you know, Liv Tyler plays his daughter, but he is the dad. Everybody listens to him. They respect him. And he's like, we have a mission and we're going to do it. Um, it's a Michael Bay film. So, you know, big explosions, all kinds of things. And the plot is always lacking. It's a it's basically a formula for him at this point. But it's still a movie I enjoy. I watch it every time it comes on TV, most because Bruce Willis's character is so great. He is just really the backbone of that film. And, you know, he ends up sacrificing himself at the end because they did make it to space and all kinds of things went wrong and people went crazy. But at the end of the day, they managed to pull it off and save the Earth. That was a film that I had I struggled with. It was either going to be Sixth Sense or Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Sixth Sense or Armageddon. Armageddon is m- much more fun for me as a viewer, but mm-hmm. I couldn't get past the fact that Sixth Sense took me by such surprise with the way it ended. Other, so it's my honorable mention on my list. Uh, number two for you, Dan. I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep. Yeah, no, I definitely also have Armageddon here as number two. That cast, that song, Aerosmith, Bruce Willis, and like I didn't know who Ben Affleck was. I hadn't seen Goodwill Hunting or anything like that. Uh, that introduced me to so many of these actors in like as just like a little kid. Uh, Mel summed it up much better than I ever could. Uh, that final scene where yes. Uh, AJ draws the short straw, but then like 
forces like Harry forces him into the in into the elevator and he goes up and he's like, You take care of my little girl. And he's like, Harry, I love you. And oh gosh. I, I remember someone saying on um, like I love the nineties. I think it was um Usher. Usher was talking about this movie where he was basically like, You wanna see a group of men weeping openly. Go on TBS on a Sunday. You'll find Armageddon playing and everyone will be crying. That scene breaks so many hearts and everyone like it's universally beloved. It's the song. It's the, the sacrifice. It's Liv Tyler. It's Ben Affleck and it is Bruce Willis. It is a wonderful scene for a wonderful movie. Mo, who do you have at number two? <laughs> so for my number two, I have a tie. Uh-oh. <laughs> it is M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable and the third part of the trilogy, Glass. <laughs> Which they, uh, Bruce I Willis feel like were... those movies went down in quality drastically after The Sixth Sense. Sure did. Hold on. Now, I will, I will this is my argument for why I think I think you can get enough out of the Unbreakable trilogy without, you need to kind of know the context for Split. However, I think you can watch Unbreakable. You can watch Glass because essentially that movie is is basically um, Bruce Willis's David Dunn versus, you know, Samuel Jackson's uh, uh, Mr. Glass. I mean, that's, it, it, it all builds to that. And for me, it's so it reminds me of a of a Vertigo comic book. And and by Vertigo, I mean like quote unquote mature comics that we would get in the nineties. I mean, some of them were superheroes, but they weren't like color cladded superheroes. It was sophisticated superheroics. And to me, that's what Unbreakable, Unbreakable always was about. It was just the, you know, the, the superheroics for the group of people who were ashamed of, of, of Superman, Batman. And in Glass, you kind of get you, the, the comic bookiness, I'll bet, and much, much darker and sophisticated, it's very much on display. I mean, the comic book tropes, I mean, Bruce Willis's character now has you know, a, a code name, the overseer. I mean, literally there's a comic book shop in that's a big part of glass. I mean, it, it's, I think I'm, I'm Mo, right you're working Bruce very hard to try and convince us on this one. Well, here, I don't see. So here's my thing about it. I feel like, you know, this, it's essentially 20 years in between those two movies, between unbreakable and, and glass. And I think, during that time period, yes, Bruce Willis had some movies that weren't so great. But I think that to come back and close this out, I think it provided a satisfying ending to it. I mean, it was a tragic ending, particularly for his character, but I thought it was a satisfying ending. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you on that one, but you're wrong. Uh, come get it, number two for me. Fifth Element, one of my all-time favorite sci-fi films. I will watch it on any and every occasion that it pops up on T 
TBS, TNT, whatever channel it's on, I will sit there, have it on in the background so that I can watch it, even if I have to like put up with commercials. Um, I actually was recently invited on the Cinema Joe's podcast, and there what you, they do is they dive into individual films and for their guests who that are their one of their favorite films. And so I chose Fifth Element. Neither of them had ever watched it. And so it was a conversation that was very interesting because so often, just based on my upbringing, I'm the person who am, am being introduced to things because I didn't have a lot of pop culture as a child. And so it was a flipped dynamic. So I won't go into why I love Fifth Element so much, but later this month, and I will put it on my Twitter when it comes out, I will be on the Cinema Joe's podcast and we'll be talking in depth about the Fifth Element and you'll definitely want to tune into that episode. This brings us to our number one. Dan, who do you have at number one? Oh, you're not going to believe this, Luke. It is going to be fantastic. It is. It was such a fun film uh, that encapsulated and bookended a trilogy of films that Bruce Willis uh, got to participate in the third one. Uh, and that is Rugrats Gone Wild. Yes. So uh, Bruce Willis got to voice the character of Spike in Rugrats Gone Wild. The character of Spike, of course, is Spike the dog, who is sort of the protector and the like the protector of the babies, uh, acts as Tommy's sort of like horse whenever they're in some sort of like, oh, we're doing a fantasy sequence where they're they're riding a horse or something, you know, things of that nature. Uh, and but this was the first time we finally got to hear Spike speak due to the fact that they were crossing over the Rugrats with the wild Thornberries. Because, of course, Eliza Thornberry has the power to talk to animals. So when the Rugrats, their parents, the babies, all the kids, everyone gets uh, deserted on an island, it just so happens to be the same island that Nigel and Donna Thornberry are filming Nigel's TV show. So the big crossover, there's wild animals afoot, uh, a lot of danger. Yeah, Tommy almost straight up drowns in this film. It is wild how they try and end that. Like it is out of control. Uh, it's edge of your seat stuff in a way that is incredibly unsettling. Uh, but I thought Bruce Willis did a great job. And Bruce Willis also was on the soundtrack uh, singing. Uh, so he did a fantastic job. He did this for his kids at the time, he, you know, I would like to pause this podcast. Yeah. And everyone, Here we go. Everyone <laughs> listening, can you please pick up your phone mm-hmm. in whatever platform you have? Yeah. Go to send a text. But before yeah. you do, go to the GIF button mm-hmm. and type in facepalm and then pull up the one of Simon Cowell rubbing his eyes. And that is me right now listening to Bruce Willis as Rugrats as a number one pick on a top five Bruce Willis movies. That was his favorite. That was his favorite. There you go. Oh my God. And then send that text. And then send that text or send that face, send that gif to Dan on Twitter at Real Dan Pierce. (laughs) Here's the thing, Luke. You're just mad that this is an option. Like, I am mad that this is an option. I should have been very much more careful. 
Yeah, no. Here's the problem the was, is like, I listened as you were describing this, I was literally and thinking there, thinking, uh, thinking about it, and I was like, fuck. That was in theaters. I I told him it had to be in theaters. It couldn't be TV for movie, but damn it, it was in theaters. I knew y'all hadn't seen Rugrats, so when he said Spike, I was like, uh oh. Yeah, I know where this is going. I know where this is going. Well, uh, not only not only we are going theaters, to continue Luke. this, we are going to continue this episode by moving on from Come Rugrats. On. I didn't even get to the smell of vision. No, no, Mo. Who do you have at number one? You know. Dan's n- number one pick certainly, certainly makes my number two pick a whole lot better. Than yep, that, that is true. That is true. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, Mo's number two pick is smelling like a rose. Uh, go ahead, Mo. Sure. Who do you have? My number one is the aforementioned Red. Um, <laughs> yeah, in which Bruce Willis stars as the retired um, uh, black op CIA agent uh, Frank Moses, who is now being hunted down. He um, makes a connection with, uh, and I was about to call her by her, her wrong name, uh, Mary Louise, Mary Louise Parker. Parker. Yeah, Mary Louise Parker, Sarah Ross. And, you know, and it, it's. And they just go on a run, and they meet up with Helen Mirren and John Malkovich's characters, in in Morgan Freeman's character. And it's a thriller minute. It I recently rewatched Red and Red Two. I'm Red Two didn't hold up. I, I'm 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 gonna say that it didn't hold up. I think they should have ended it with with the first one, but you know. It was a great action film, and this was a point when uh, Bruce Willis was doing these old, grizzled men coming out of retirement. You know, he was in The Expendables. He was in all these other movies during uh, around this time, same time period, and he was portraying a similar type character. But I think the balance of uh, Mary Louise Parker's character really helped make him a much more likable character. It took me a little while to to buy into them developing any sort of relationship. An interesting note that Red is based on a A comic comic. book. Yeah, uh, called Red, which was created by uh, Warren Ellis and and Cully Hanner. I will say that the movie Red elevates that comic. I I think that there was this, there's so much more depth in the version of Frank Moses that Bruce Willis portrays on screen than what we got in that comic book. And it, it's a fun movie. I mean, you can just pop it in anytime and you, you'll just enjoy it for what it is. So that's why red is my number one. Mel, who do you have at number one? It couldn't be any other film for me. Yippee ki yay motherfucker. Uh, die hard people from the best year ever. 1988. Officer John McClane defending his city, his family, his everyone else from the hands of Hans Gruber, portrayed by the amazing late Alan Rickman. This film was a tried and true action film through and through. It had explosions. It had double crossing. It had a determined hero. There were cops who were trying to help out. There were uh, climbing through air vents. Yes, everything. It is one of my 
favorite action films, and it is also the film that really just put Bruce Willis on the map and made him that action star that we know and love. It is a film I will watch every time it comes on TV. It replays. I love it. It always makes me happy, you know, and we know it spawned, you know, two or three sequels at this point. But the original is always my favorite. Die Hard. Mel. Mm-hmm. You picking Die Hard was a sweet relief from the <laughs> craziness of Dan's pick. Hey, hey, I don't have a problem with Dan's pick. You said it As number one. Thank you, Mel. Thank you. Wait, 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 wait. I don't have a problem with it being on the list. I have a problem with it being at number one. Hey, it's not your list. I know. But of all the Bruce Willis movies in the world that you could choose for the best, the the number one that is for you the best, Rugrats. In Dan's world, as a fellow 90s child, Rugrats has a very special place in my heart. Okay? That's right. So That's right. I it understand. I have come to the conclusion <laughs> that Dan is my karma for my day back in the day when I had the Movie Junkie podcast. And I gave Craig and Susan migraines for the picks of like Muppets, the great Muppet caper as a musical. I am convinced that Dan is my karma for that. I am just convinced. I'm just Um, saying. Coming in at number one for me is also Die Hard. I love this movie. I have watched it countless times. I am the person who will go down fighting on the hill that it is a Christmas movie. Whenever I think of Bruce Willis, as much as I love Fifth Element, Die Hard is always what comes to mind. Alan Rickman was a fantastic villain in this film. I liked what um, Dan pointed out earlier about the fact that this was a film about a single event as opposed to a world-destroying event. I hadn't really thought of it in that context, but you don't necessarily see those type of films as much anymore. When we get them today, it's usually some sort of robbery or heist film that is where the... Like I'm thinking about like it seems like it'd be a Matt Damon and um, Ben Affleck type film in set in Boston or something like that. It's not necessarily a big skyscraper that is has a huge thing that's going on in the in one place. Love this film. I enjoy the one with him at the airport, which I believe is the second one. Um, but Die Hard, the original, you can never, ever, ever go wrong on that note and for fear of what dan might have as an honorable mention we're not doing honorable mentions because i don't think that i could handle oh, another ooh. heart attack oh no, he was really no. good in Come on, i don't know uh, mel seriously? who do you, uh, mel who do you have as honorable mentions uh the fifth element i as also enjoyed um disney's the kid and of course pulp fiction mo who do you have Look who's talking. No, I'm psyched. I, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm not trying movie. to stir you up. But I ain't trying to stir you up. But they, they, that was a solid movie back in the day. Yes. I, I will say, but the diehards, I mean, easily, um, you know, Die Hard, the, the Fifth Element, Armageddon. For me, I thought they were easy picks. They were low-hanging fruit. And I really wanted – because I've seen so many Bruce Willis films. I felt like the need to, like, stretch myself. Obviously, Red was, like – 
my so number you one. stretched yourself with Shyamalan. That wasn't much of a stretch, to be perfectly honest, because I literally did. I I watched Unbreakable in theaters twice, and Tell I went that to the Avatar fans. And I went to see Glass. I mean, I watched Split. I had I watched Split before because I was I was told that you had to watch it before you saw um, Glass. So that was the only reason I even watched Split was to get that ready for Glass. Mel, Mel, what is this thing that you say in Texas? I think you've used it on me a couple times, and I'm not from Texas, but I feel like it's necessary to use for Mo at the moment. Bless his heart. Oh, God love him. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dan, did you have any honorable mentions or the fact that you'd only watched five mean that you I, don't actually have any? I don't, oh, ha- I don't have any <laughs> theatrical honorable mentions. All I can say is he was good in Friends and he was good in that 70s show. And I really enjoyed the roast of Bruce Willis on Comedy Central. I already mentioned my honorable mention, which was Armageddon when Mel brought hers up. So on that note, we'd encourage you to comment on this episode. Uh, you can find the link to our Facebook group on at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mel is at Melody Akles. Mo is at uh, Dr. Mo 77 and Dan is at Rugrat something. I'm not sure what. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, oh, seriously. Oh, it's Dan is at Real Dan Pierce. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, y'all. Bye, everybody. <laughs>